Welcome to the Holistic Work Podcast. I'm Flip Brown, your host and founder of Business Culture Consultants. The mission of this podcast is to bring together individuals who want work to work well, who strive for a balanced and resilient lifestyle, and who have a commitment to social, economic, climate, and racial justice. Feel free to check out the whole series, along with other resources, at businesscultureconsultants.com. Thanks for finding your way here. Today we're going to talk about the art of supportive confrontation, an essential element of creative conflict. So when I mention this, a lot of folks will say, first of all, confrontation, hmm, isn't that like negative? Well, I think we've all grown up to think that because, or to experience that, because we haven't had the tools, the permission, and the courage to do this in a way that keeps us connected. If you look in the dictionary, one of the definitions of to confront is to bring forward information. So if I were to confront you with the fact that you just won megabucks, I doubt that you would be upset with me. So supportive confrontation is bringing forth information that is in alignment with our values, our principles, and our agreements. And in that way, we support our shared common ground. Creative conflict is allowing the space for people to have different opinions, experiences, even passions in a container of safety and trust so that the best outcomes can emerge. One of the best examples that I've experienced in the musical world in terms of creative conflict is two gentlemen by the name of John Lennon and Paul McCartney. And they both spoke about how they would get together as teenagers, sit on the floor with their notebook and their two acoustic guitars, and each one would have parts of a song. They would offer those bits. Sometimes one person would have the whole song basically written, but often the other person would challenge them and come up with perhaps a different chorus or verse or what we call bridge that changes the chord structure and creates uh, that middle part. In the workplace, we want creative conflict to be a source of opportunity as opposed to avoidance. We start with the core principles, with what's at stake. What are the things that we believe to be shared with our colleagues, coworkers, and other members of the community? This doesn't work if we hold on to self-righteousness or stubbornness, or if we come at it from the one-down position. We also understand that when we're bringing forth our differences in the spirit of collaboration, there's going to be an element of uncertainty. We can't possibly know in advance how people are going to respond. We actually can't know in advance how we're going to react. This is where the concept of emotional intelligence, what we're feeling, what the other people are feeling, our ability to use our knowledge of those feelings and how to use them in a positive way can be so valuable. When we get into a place of creative conflict or not so creative conflict, 
One of the first things that happens is our ability to listen clearly and cleanly kind of goes out the window. And someone said uh, 80 or 90% of listening is actually making eye contact and nodding our head while we're actively working on our rebuttal inside our brain. Active or reflective listening is a key component here because if we're not able to clearly capture what another person is saying and reflect that back to get their validation that, yes, in fact, we have heard them clearly, even if, especially if, we disagree with their point of view, that's what we want people to do with us, is to listen to what we have to say and to be able to capture that without excessive filters or biases. And it takes practice. Another component that makes this successful more often than not is our ability to monitor our own emotional reactivity. As soon as we start to lose it, as soon as our anger, frustration, disappointment takes over and we shut down, we start barking and biting, we, we look for opportunities to score some cheap points in terms of the other person's emotions, it's game over. This is where the technique of mindfulness and of being able to recognize in our bodies those first signs that we're losing our center, that we're unable to stay focused about the conversation and about the goodwill in terms of reaching an unknown but hopefully positive conclusion. In this culture, my belief is that we are all actively trained in how to find fault and blame. And it doesn't matter which opinion you listen to on the left or right, it's often about this person, these people, this group, these people are to blame or are at fault for, well, take your pick, just about anything. And to be able to enter into creative conflict and supportive confrontation with the idea that we all make contributions to problems, therefore we all make contributions to solutions, that is something that is hard to do because often we have made up a list in our head of the logical, rational points that we want to present to the other person and we somehow always believe that they're going to go, yeah, right, no, I hadn't seen it that way. You're exactly right. I should change my whole perspective on this. When we use that technique of here's why I'm right with the corollary that we don't have to state out loud, here's also why you're wrong, we're actually modeling the behavior that we don't want from the other person, which is for them to turn around and say, no, 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 you have it all wrong. Here's my list of logical, rational points that prove that, in fact, you are wrong. So moving out of that fault and blame mode is really important. Sometimes we think about the need for supportive confrontation. Maybe we get some coaching. We are comfortable that we can enter into this from a centered place. We go ahead and take the risk and then it just doesn't work out. If we say at that point, well, I've tried, 
I guess there's no point in going any further. Well, oftentimes, particularly if we're dealing with patterns, these patterns are not going to shift just because we have one semi-brilliant conversation. And the difference between what I call a situation conversation and a pattern conversation, we won't go into that fully here. However, that's an important distinction to keep in mind. Another factor here is our conscious or subconscious need for validation. Yes, it's lovely when people are able to give us that in terms of saying, wow, you know, I can see you're really concerned about this, or I appreciate all the effort that you've put into trying to reach an agreement here. Well, if we get it, it's a gift, but to need it or expect it or be tied up in knots because we didn't get it, that is going to enter into the tone the mood, it's going to be projected out in terms of our conversation. Now, I want to be very clear that when people attack us, continuously interrupt us, denigrate us, uh, use foul language, it's absolutely necessary to set limits and boundaries. Don't get me wrong. And at the same time, we need to be okay with whatever the outcome is here. Sometimes, again, it takes a series of these conversations. Sometimes we realize that, you know what, this is just not a match or this is not a situation that I should continue to put myself in or I need to look at other options because I alone cannot resolve this situation. But we want to make sure that we're in a place where we can accept the outcome. That's the concept I call the art of healthy detachment where you're fully engaged and yet you're still fundamentally okay because you know what? You're always already okay. This is like a practice. In other words, no one goes to two yoga classes and goes, yeah, I got this thing. I'll share with you, coming from the Midwest, I was a world-class conflict avoider. Now, some of that is geography, some of that is family of origin, I just didn't have any idea how to move through normal conflicts, whether they were in personal relationships or in business. And often I would just shut down or even in extreme cases, get up and walk out of the room. Not a good way to stay in relationship. So these are skills to acquire. They are skills to practice. And we also need to have self-compassion because... This is, again, something that evolves over time. You can read books. You can uh, listen to podcasts and TED Talks. They're all helpful. And then you simply have to put yourself out there to see if you can engage in some different ways and try some of these different techniques. I'll give you an example. At one of my clients, the three partners often were in a position of having to bring in the clients, negotiate with the pricing, and basically bring the business in. And the staff members, their role was to do the design work, the output, 
And they had kind of gotten stuck in this dynamic where the staff would frequently need more clarity from the partners, but they didn't want to bug the partners because, you know, they were busy and they were senior level. And conversely, there were times when the partners didn't go to the staff to get details on the projects because they didn't want the staff to feel micromanaged or like they were looking over their shoulders in a judgmental way. So they came up with this little internal saying, courage for clarity, where to go to either a partner or a staff member, and sometimes they would use that exact phrase, but they built into their culture the idea that to come forward and ask for clarity, even though it took courage, would create a better outcome for everyone. To sum up, the art of supportive confrontation is to bring forward information of value that is based on deeper principles and beliefs with a desire that the people we're connected with really do share these same principles and values. We are acting out of care and compassion because our experience is that something feels out of alignment. And when we're in a culture in the workplace where this happens, it really changes things. I encourage you to practice this. I encourage you to take appropriate risks. I encourage you to take care of yourselves. And hopefully, you will continue to learn and grow in this way. This concludes another episode of the Holistic Work podcast series. If you're interested in this and other archived podcasts, they are available wherever you get your podcasts or at businesscultureconsultants.com. You're also welcome to email me at flip.brown at icloud.com. This has been a production of Business Culture Consultants at Star Farm Studios in Burlington, Vermont. And thanks for tuning in. I'm Flip Brown, and may your awesome potential continue to unfold at work, in your life, and through your positive contributions to the world. Until the next time we cast another pod, be safe and strong.